Warning, the following show features constructive opinions performed either by professionals or under the supervision of professionals. The views expressed are ours and may differ from views of any other entity. Accordingly, the Tim Zabriskie Show and the producers must insist that no one recreate or reenact any conversation or activity performed on the show. When you listen to the show, do you find yourself agreeing with the boys? Or do you think Tim is full of shit? Well, let them know how you really feel and participate in the live shows. Follow the Tim Zabriskie Show by searching at Timmy Zabriskie on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram. And fully interact by liking, commenting, and even calling into the hotline. Don't be afraid to make your voice heard. Oh, off to a rocky Share start. this podcast. Feels that way for me. I don't know. Right now is introduce you to that help. Let's take a look at who our third man is gonna be. Oh yeah. Show him. Holler, if you hear me. <laughs> the fucking G. You can't blink, Frankie. Yeah. Look at this guy. Another legendary wrestler ready to do battle here at GPB Studios on NWA Power. What? What a pick by Nick Aldis. Into the Oh, yeah. Oh, what's up, guys? Tim Zabriskie here. Back at it again. What's with that smirk on your face there, bud? I s- what, you what forgot. I you forgot. I have a second monitor now, so so. Wow. So I can see when you're doing that stuff. All the faces. All the faces. Oh, <laughs> uh, this is going to be a little bit of a bonus episode for everybody here that's watching us. Thank you for tuning into us um, and everything like that. This is the Tim's Risky Show. I am your host, Tim's Risky. With me, as always, the man, the myth, the legend, the uh, the aristocrat, the vegan. I don't know. Are you vegan? No. No, no, not at all. Mr. President of Wrestling, Mr. Phil Stamper, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) If it wants to load you, can can, can we get him in here? All right, yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Second round of applause, I'll take it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Phil. TM. You were a little impressed when I told you that the other day I did a little bit of um, homework, actually. It's Friday night. I had a little bit of time by myself, you know, just hanging out, just doing my own thing and everything. And um, what I did, Phil, was I, uh, I opened up the old, uh, the old Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was right in front of me. The, the hardbound copy. The hardbound copy of Wikipedia. And I started looking at the NWA. Now, this has nothing to do with me uh, being, you know, um, a little bit over eccentric and, and messaging the NWA on Twitter saying, hey, how do we become the official podcast of the NWA? It has nothing to do with that, Phil. All right. So stop. <laughs> stop thinking that. <laughs> The lies. Dude, the lies. <laughs> no, no, no. I just, uh, I just wanted to make sure that before, you know, people like, uh, yeah, why did that go black? Oh, there we go. Okay. Went very blurry. There we go. <laughs> I think we're okay. Um, well, you're not. You're blurry, but you look fantastic. So I. <laughs> this is this is what they call call a soft filter. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um. But to my point, Phil, I um. Before like guys come out here like uh um what's his face? Who's that guy? Like wrestling with regret and and all these guys um you know what culture? What culture? Um uh, 
um, start talking about, you know, the NWA and everything like that. I figured, Phil, maybe you and I should kind of break this whole, whole thing down because what those guys are going to do is they're going to talk about the past and everything. And, and um, my, to my point here is that this whole NWA story, Phil, it doesn't go as far back as everyone makes it sound, okay? I know that the NWA has been around forever and every single indie fed at one point, like when I was in the... <laughs> did you know that I wrestled in the NWA like eight times, Phil, in different states and things like that? <laughs> like like before, you know, they start breaking it down like that. Right. The real story here, Phil, going back to my notes once again, really starts back in the summer of 2002, okay? Because the, the whole thing is that... Is that WCW ends, Jerry Jarrett, Jeff Jarrett, they're sitting on their boat in the middle of fucking nowhere, and yeah. then and then they decide that they're going to start TNA. And TNA started as NWA TNA, Phil, in the yes. summer of 2002. And what I really liked about TNA back in the day was that they, they had a completely different business model. You know what I mean? They did the um, weekly pay-per-view shows. That way, and they were cheaper. I think they were only like five, ten bucks or something like that in that range. So I think ten. I do, I do think ten. I, yeah, I think they were only ten bucks an episode. So they were making money doing that. Um, but the whole point was that they could have an edgier show. Now, before, a little bit ahead of their time, they also had a podcast, um, the TNA UTV. So when you think about it, they had some really revolutionary sort of marketing schemes. Sort of, but they were really picking up what WCW was really doing at the very, very end of, of its run. They had an official TNA podcast. Jeremy Borash was was one of the hosts. He actually talked on on an interview, I think, with Colt Cabana about how like everybody had been let go from WCW and except him. So like he walked in through like an empty building because he was still expected to record podcasts because he was being paid to do it <laughs> uh, for like a little bit. Um, for WCW, for WCW, which had now closed, so it was, yeah, very interesting um, how they got some of their start. Uh, I think 2002 was, I think the first time I wrestled for an NWA affiliate. Oh, see, there you go. Go, go figure that. <laughs> um, and at about that time, too, you know, NWA and its structure was trying to mimic where it had in its past territories and what they would do. And I'm going to miss – I know I'm going to misuse wording, so I'm going to apologize. They gave affiliate ships to certain promotions that anchored that, okay, you're the affiliate for this state or region. At This is early 2000s. Right. And then they had um, uh, some kind of lesser stat status like associate ships where let's say – like for example, I know in the Ohio, West Virginia, Kentucky area, NWA Tri-State was the affiliate for those three states. But then NWA Bluegrass that ran in Kentucky was an associate and could use with permission the NWA name through NWA Tri-State. Um, and but the whole thing was a work though. It was. It was a total it was a bit of a money grab in my my uh, perception. I mean at that time or near that time Rich Arpin became NWA president. And I, I don't know if I've ever shared this story with you. This is where, like, you know, at first, when TNA got started, super hot, it's great. Here comes the NWA president on NWA pay-per-view, and he's wearing sweatpants and a t-shirt. And Yeah. And as <laughs> a, a fucking little work. bit of a... Right. It's like, this is not a good look, dude. Um, and I worked for him. And, and at, at NWA Tri-State, I think I even fought for the end... Listen, I need you to... Pay attention to this logic. I think I fought for the NWA Tri-State United States Heavyweight Championship. Ah, yes, yes, because there's multiple United States, but Within. this was the one. <laughs> right. This championship uh, was for the Tri-State United States. It makes perfect sense to me, Phil. Hashtag wrestling. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and and it, so it was, it was a very interesting time, but it also showcased, I think, that where, where TNA was going – and the thought process for TNA was going to a different place at that time than the organization as a whole of the NWA, which were, I mean, they had articles of, of um, uh, what's the right term? Not confederation. They basically, I mean, they were a legitimate business. They had an LLC. Right. Um, things moved later to, um, oh, but I forget his name. 
not Howard Brody, but the the gentleman who became the president of the NWA, who um, was a lawyer. Um, maybe it was Howard Brody, and I'm just misremembering. But it it was an interesting path. But they split at that kind of well, Phil. I'm, I'm glad later. that you said that. But before we get to the split, okay, the, the whole thing, Phil. Reverting back to my notes, and once again, the phone lines are open. If anybody wants to jump into the conversation, too, five one eight three five zero four three one two. Before this. Panda Energy got their hands involved in the whole mix, okay? Because, and Panda Energy, um, even though we know Panda Energy later on with Dixie and stuff like that, we're getting there, Phil, all right? But early on, they they they, they did put their hands in the mix, and they started to get to um, doing more of, of traditional um, weekly television shows and then going into the whole pay-per-view scheme and then on may 15th 2007 the nwa split from tna phil now um if you want to go ahead and uh read the old little quote ski here that that pops up whenever it's whenever it's ready phil i mean it's it's it had a really hard day pw torch pw torch has learned that tna wrestling and the nwa have agreed to a split of their partnership Bob Troyvich, head of legal for the NWA, and Steve Campbell, head of the legal for Panda Energy as representative of TNA, have negotiated to terminate the working agreement between the NWA and TNA. NWA will take back possession of the NWA heavyweight title and NWA tag titles with a storyline to be set up at the Destination X pay-per-view. Jeff Jarrett has been the third party representing TNA during the negotiations to cease the working relationship. There have been a lot of rules that the NWA has that TNA has not been following. As TNA has grown and as the NWA name has become less of a marketing asset, a split was considered a strong possibility. TNA long ago stopped using the NWA TNA as its name. Cool, cool. Did you want to read more? I mean, I I could. If you wanted me to read it, I could read (laughs) it. No, but basically, you know, um, Panda Energy and, and TNA and Jeff Jarrett, they all decided to go to the separate race. Titles went back and everything like that. And at this point, there, you know, NWA was done once again. You know what I mean? Right. Like, like there were still some little territories flying around. And it's not even like any of the little territories that we're talking about. You know, um, NWA Green Mountain up here in Vermont, uh, whichever the one is in in Pennsylvania that I also wrestled for too. It's not like there were like farming sco- like places for NWA TNA. Which is why, as as we were saying, it was all just a big work. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and and you know, I think about things that. And again, this is now we're talking about a time that was 15 years ago. Um, and and you know, to hear some people who worked there at that time who thought, okay, here's this great opportunity, here's this big moment. I mean, even people like CM Punk and Colt Cabana who worked there, who Colt Cabana who got paid nothing to to work there at that time, and by that time he had already traveled internationally. Um, and makes it, makes a comment that they're like, well, you know, we can't pay you, but Hey, you can take some of our merch and like, Oh, what's this? And it's like, well, we give this stuff to our street team guys. He's like, well, I'll take a whole bunch of it under the guise of taking it to put up to advertise TNA. Right. And then he sold it at his merch table for multiple events afterwards <laughs> to make his pay. For, exactly. For TNA. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and with that too, Phil, um, that's his story. You know, he's, he's at it. So I'm not making anything weird. And going from the gimmick table and trying to sell stuff there, they had a lot of different gimmicks that that they put on TV. Phil, like, what were some of your favorite gimmicks that end um, up, end, during the NWA TNA part of it? Because this is an NWA show here. Are, are right? you talking about straight gimmicky gimmicks, or are you talking about like just great guys? Great guys, great gimmicks. Anything that's really hitting your head. Uh, I mean, Amazing Red comes to mind. Absolutely. Um, uh, and you know, I, I was I had the good fortune of being here on the East Coast, seeing him in action in Pennsylvania and Jersey, and and seeing the things that he could do was just amazing. So to see him go to that level and platform was was great. Um, him versus Loki stands out. The rise of AJ Styles, um, but watching TNA and and I'm trying to remember when certain things happened and mm-hmm. in what order. Am I flipping out on your screen, or is that just no, you. you're fine. You're fine. I'm, okay, I'm, I'm, do, I'm multitasking here. Oh, gotcha. Um, of when, uh, you know, they would go to one channel. So they, you know, they had the pay-per-views and it was basically, you know, here is Jeff Jarrett as the heavyweight champion. 
AJ Styles is the X Division champion. They might have some other folks that come in, but those were kind of the two staples. And then they moved to, I can't remember which order they went to, but it seemed like every time they moved to a new television station, they they reset everything. That basically they went back to even if AJ Styles had worked up to the main event to challenge Jeff Jarrett for the NWA champion or heavyweight championship, TNA heavyweight championship. Right. They reset. And all of a sudden, AJ is now the X Division champion again. Jeff Jarrett's the world champion again. Yeah. And that they retold that story again for that network. And I feel like they retold it three times to establish those facts. Um, and I remember, you know, reading that that tale sort of reminded me in the moment of the scuttlebutt that was in the locker room from some guys who some were being promised um, certain things like getting opportunities. Um, that there was concerns from people who were saying, well, I'm an agent or representative of the company because I represent the NWA. And it's like, well, that's not TNA. Yeah. And, and, and some of that disjointment, um, at, I want to say it, I'm trying to remember at what point, like Bill Barron sort of left that ship because he was involved at one point and then was not involved, but I don't remember the exact story. So I feel like I'm going to mislabel something. But I remember a lot of, of course, what comes down to it, oh, they're not following the rules, as that statement was, was money. Yeah. And and there was an agreement in with the affiliates that if you were the NWA champion, you had a contractual cost that you could come in for one of the affiliates for. But that TNA had gotten so popular that those talents were like, I can charge more now. Because I've garnered that reputation, I've done done more things. I can go higher on my price, right? And and they also were weren't like, making no. those dates, though, right? Um, which <laughs> which may or may not have to do something with money. With, with, well, all with money. <laughs> wow. But I remember because I remember at that time, like some of those guys would see their names on posters and be like, "What are you talking about?" Right. They're like, "Here's our emails from X Agent X." I'll just say Agent X, maybe that's safer, um, who uh, who has booked you. And they're like, well, that's my guy or who coordinates booking for NWA or for TNA. But I never knew this. And yeah. so sometimes like as a sort of fast switch, that agent would not, you know, if nobody caught on, then the agent would try to go behind the scenes and go, oh, so sorry. His flight got canceled. Something weird wonky happened. Oh, don't worry. Instead of AJ Styles. I got you one of the three. I got you Eric Young. Right. <laughs> and it's not that the, the quality of talent was bad, but it was right. like you expected the guy who was holding the NWA championship or the X division championship, which at that time was like, holy shit. Excuse my language. Um, no, you're, you're fine. It's a, I always forget which, which show I'm on. Um, and then <laughs> it, it, you got like not that level of guy or not that tier of guy per se. Mm -hmm. And it was a very um, bitch, uh, bait and switch. I couldn't think of the right term. <laughs> I thought you were going to say it was very bitching. <laughs> very bitching. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So um, I would say that, you know, right there with you, you talk about your Samoa Joes, you talk about your, your um your CM Punks that were in TNA, NWA TNA I would think about the one guy really in that time that I that um that probably came after and we'll talk about him a little bit more later probably be Brutus Magnus so don't forget that name Phil all right um Brutus Magnus very important to this whole phenomenal story here okay um but going back into everything too um Fast forward to about eight years ago now, Phil. So we're talking right around 2012. Panda Energy, after after 10 solid years, and we had a bunch of different eras, Phil. Talk about some of the different eras that we had from 2002 to 2012. I mean, we, we talked a lot already just now about sort of that. And are you talking about in the NWA or TNA? You've lost me a little bit. In, in well, now TNA it's more TNA because, okay. because now... Well, you know, we had the, the the original era, obviously, but then we also have like the Hogan era, the Eric Bischoff era. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? That whole th that whole deal, um, like like leading up to really Dixie Carter taking over, because that's where we're headed right now in, in the whole storyline of things, Phil. Um, um, but like, what are your kind of some more of your top favorite moments? I mean, it was it was cool when you thought, oh wow, they're really going to start challenging the WWE in that way that they moved to Monday nights and yeah. they didn't quite garner that same kind of energy. And, and one of the first tells right away when Eric Bischoff and Hulk Hogan got involved was they got rid of the six sided ring 
And and a lot of the conversation at that time that was happening with TNA wrestling was, wow, that, you know, that's different. That that stands out because it's a six sided ring. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you get rid of it. And, and of course, that they had more things to offer, but it looked very much stock and it started to become the era of, oh, you're no longer in the WWE. So you're here. You got Ric Flair. Yes. But then you but but comparatively with those periods of time, you got Jay Lethal doing the impression of Ric Flair. Right. Um, which is you know, is a clip that is played over and over and over again. Millions of hits. Millions right. of hits. And and you know, so it, it it's gotten some very interesting, interesting run. Um so I'm I'm having to sort of like refresh my own memory. Um when when Panda took over they decided to move forward in 2004 with Impact. They produced it at, at Universal Studios, and it was first broadcast on Fox Sportsnet. Right. Um, and I will say, you know, when I watched the pay-per-views just before then, they did feel something different, but there was this air of some familiarity that it was almost like continuing what you were seeing from WCW. That it was... I, uh, because my, I, for those of you who don't know, I, I work in higher education. Um, so my brain compares things in educational terms. <laughs> so like it was, if, if WCW was the high school years, this felt like you're in grade 13. Like you took a, you took an extra year and you've added it on in the back end, And now you've recreated what was WCW. I, and I felt like that when they first got on impact, just the kind of the way they were stylized, the lighting differences and, as uh, Hulk Hogan got there in 2010, mm-hmm. him and Bischoff were so instrumental in trying to adjust the production element of TNA right. that they made the recommendations, get rid of the six-sided ring, get a, get a four-sided ring so people know what they're seeing and understand it better, that you get a more appeal from mainstream audience. And again, this was also that time, and throughout their history they had this, but really through this time, those former WWE names were really coming through, but then they started to overdo it in that, that aspect. So like everybody who came in cut the same promo. Right. And what I mean is, you know what? That other place doesn't let me be who I really am. So now I'm here and I'm going <laughs> to tell everybody that I'm the man to beat at, at TNA. This is the place where you make, an impact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody cut that promo, and then they were gone months later. Exactly. And at the same time, too, it's like it's like people still today, like I'm physically right now thinking about how, how salty I was when they had gotten rid of the six-sided ring. Because for me at the same time, Phil, uh, like – to me, that's that was one of the bigger differences that brought them to the dance. You know what I mean? Yeah. Especially with how um, they would have the entrances on one side of the ring and the other side of the ring. You know what I mean? Really created that. Oh, they're not sharing the same locker room. I know that um, AEW is kind of doing that now on the same side with the one ramp and everything like that. Which is, you know, that's not nothing new. But at the same time, it's like these are just things that they were just trying to separate themselves from the WWE, and then. Eric and Hulk came in and kind of made them very similar to that. You know what I mean? And, and, yeah, in many respects. And what what's funny is that, and I know we've talked about it here when we've talked about AEW, is that you know they were at a different place with at the same time with their production when they were first starting out and really watching, especially over the summer before we got to their pay-per-view, or me, before we got to television with them when we had, they had their pay-per-views, it was very much like watching late 90s WCW, the way it was filmed, right. sort of the feel you would get from what you were watching, uh, and not always a good thing in that respect, unfortunately. And again, they've been feeling it out, and now they have a, an entirely different production crew. Um, as Hogan and, and Bischoff departed NWA in, two th- uh, yeah, in 2013, um, Jeff Jarrett came in, um, well, no, no, no. We got oh, there's, there's one thing. There's one thing that I did note here when I was doing my my research. Phil was that in 2012, Phil Panda Energy divested its stake in TNA, which basically means because unlike you, Phil, I I don't have all of the higher uh, education. I know I have a bachelor's <laughs> degree, but for divested 
what that basically means, Phil, is thanks, but no thanks. <laughs> like, like we're, we're good here. <laughs> you know what I mean? With how, all the right. money and everything like that. And that's the defining moment where Dixie Carter came in. Because Dixie Carter, they, when they divested it, they, they sold all of this to her. And she really took over, over everything. So that, that last little bit of Hogan's regime in there has really to do with, with Dixie Carter be, being, being the, the head honcho in that. You know what I mean? Right. Um, Anything, Bill? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm trying to now catch up with some of my own history pieces. I'm sorry. Uh, and it, Phil, you had all of three minutes to know that we were doing this tonight. Okay, I know. And look at me trying to play. Wow. Um, so when when they got to that point in two thousand in two thousand twelve, they were doing uh, not just the live schedule for their television. They began doing. Were they touring uh, at this time too? Were they what? Were they touring? That's exactly what I was about to get to. They, they in March 2013 they started taping around the country and they terminated their lease with Universal's studios. Um, but almost not even six months later, they then, or excuse me, actually it was eight months later to be exact, they then terminated their relationship. They had developed OVW as their developmental territory. Mm-hmm. Um, they had ended that relationship. They though started a relationship with Wrestle One. Um, and TNA founder Jeff Jarrett was still sort of tangentially involved. Well, he was a minimum a minimum stakeholder at this point. Right. So he owned what, like ten percent, fifteen percent, something like that. Right. So he but never he, actually went away. He was just watching all these things happening to his company from right. afar. So he helped make. But at the same that- time, though, too, he was also like hooking up with like Kurt Angle's wife and everything like that. <laughs> I forgot about all that happening. Oh my gosh, Phil! It's the juice. I'm trying to read and remember things at the same time. I have can't do two things at once. Uh, um, but he made so he makes this arrangement for Wrestle One to try to help TNA out in October of 2013, and in December 13, 2013, he resigned. But he resigned, and there's air quotes in this article I'm reading. But TNA, though they accepted the resignation of his role, they still identified well. He was an investor, um, and and though he was still an investor, he decided to split off and have his own company, Global Force Wrestling. Oh, my gosh. See, that's something I just forgot about, Phil, this whole Global Force Wrestling. Oh, really? That's a whole bubble that comes back. Yeah, this is, we're going to have to diverge into a whole TNA conversation because what, you know, because that, that's, that's a totally different subject at this point. But, what, what also happens around this time, and you know, I kind of skipped over it a little bit, that TNA in the early 2010s, and, and they may have had this in, in, the, in, the, in the knots, Tim, in the double zeros, right. um, that they really did a good job of selling themselves overseas, that international television markets were really Yeah, they were the first ones really to go to like Saudi Arabia and, and, and mm-hmm. everything like that. And, and made- India. Yeah, it made some big fucking money out there too, and these and, are the things that were keeping them together. You know, right. like like as I said, I don't want to. I was trying not to really do too much of TNA, but here we are. But with like, what do we call uh, T- like Impact Wrestling TNA? It's like the uh, the cockroach that just won't fucking die. A lot of it has to do with all, over all this overseas sort of work that they they were putting in. And it's weird because I keep, you know, I've heard that before. And I'm not going to lie. In this time frame of, like, they they were no longer with Universal. Here's Jeff Jarrett leaving and starting Global Force. It did feel a little bit like, okay, what's happening? Where are they going as a company? What's their direction? And why aren't they dying? Like, it it felt like, and even rumors of what was going to happen with, with Panda Energy possibly pulling up roots started in this whole conversation, when they when you mentioned that they divested their interest in what 2012, that yes. at that point, hashtag thanks all, but no thanks too. By right, the way. all of these conversations <laughs> kept going about are they staying around? What's going on? But then things turned very interesting in 2015. Exactly, um, Phil. Phil, it's it's as I said, guys. Li- guys, Phil and I. Phil knew that we were doing this three minutes before that we fucking started doing this. <laughs> And yeah, he's hitting every single one of these fucking fantastic segues. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. President of Wrestling Phil Stanley. 
Well, what happened <laughs> in 2015? As they start in 2015, two key things started. So one, there was then seemingly this resurgence in how do we rebuild ourselves, our identity, our brand, and they re-signed Kurt Angle, Jeff Hardy, mm-hmm. Gail Kim, Mr. Anderson, Abyss, and Matt Hardy. Um, also, Awesome Kong joined later. Uh, and six of those guys were former WWE guys to really separate them from the other pack. But continue. <laughs> right. And at this time, though, this was also not not too long after. Uh, maybe it was only a year after. Yeah, in December 2013. So only a year later um, when TNA basically tried to lower AJ Styles' contract amount so significantly that he oh, yeah. decided... And he, yeah, he, he, he recently just started talking about that, too. Right. Um, uh, basically, what, the, what Wikipedia is saying, that they offered a 65% reduction in his contract. And then told um, him that, that no one's going to see value in him. Yeah. Just like a great fucking employee. <laughs> but I remember at those times, too... And now, I, you know, I've, I've interacted with AJ, like four times in my entire life so this does not come with the knowledge of him right but i i felt like there was this sentiment given towards him of like eh, you'll be the guy you're just not the guy yet but but that was because oh you have to go through hulk hogan and rick flair who are coming over here to live this resurgence that is this a resurgence is this just alternate reality wrestling like what's happening and and so he leaves like I don't. I don't know if he left deflated, um, but there were sort of. Oh no, he felt fucking great, Phil. You're absolutely right. <laughs> right. Yeah. You're not worth it. You're not worth it. Uh, oh, great, great. Thank you so much. Right. But but at the same time, I think he had to have known, you know, the quality of work that he can bring inside a wrestling. Anyway, but we're talking about a year later, and now they're like, okay, we're rebuilding our brand, rebuilding and connecting to all these guys. And in April twenty seventh, two thousand fifteen. Smashing Pumpkins frontman Billy Corgan is <laughs> hired to become the senior producer of creator at or excuse me, senior producer of creative and talent development. Now, I will say I had at about uh, 2012 had gone to Universal Studios and right. uh, they were literally doing barking at the park. Um, and what I mean is like. I don't even I don't even know his name. There was a manager on the show on Impact who was in the streets in Universal yelling for people to come to Impact Wrestling and like barking like old school carnival barking. And my friend who was with me, who uh, is not inside the wrestling business at all, was like, hey, Phil, let's go do this. And I'm like, I'm on vacation. The last thing I want to do is go to work. Right. Uh, right. Last thing I want to do is see that shit. And we go. And I mean, Hulk Hogan's there. Rob Van Dam is there. Chavo Guerrero is there. And my friend goes after the third match. Can we go? Wow. And I was like, oh, man. At the, and so at that point, I, I, I don't think I watched much of Impact until Billy Corgan comes in. Okay. Billy Corgan joins. And I was like, okay, that's kind of cool. You know, Smashing Pumpkins, Billy Corgan. This is great. I want to see what he what he brings in. And now I would say it wasn't right away, but it was a few months later. As he started to be ingrained inside of some of those storylines, and and let, let me remind you, senior producer of creative and talent development, and he's putting himself seemingly in storylines, but... I think the one part of this whole thing that you're missing, though, at the same time, though, Phil, is that you don't just get that position without a little bit of this. Because at the right. same time, he was right. he was also lending money to the Fed. You know what I mean? Like, they needed him as much as... As he needed them, you know what I mean. But like, let's and let's not beat around the bush about it too. I mean, Phil, he, this guy's been trying to get into the wrestling business for years. The right. the the big Fed that you know for me, the, um, one of the Feds that you that you used to work for, um, Pro Wrestling Syndicate. Fucking Billy used to hang out at all these shows. He he, he was trying to fucking buy that Fed. And this right. is we're talking like six years before this even happened. You know what I mean? Like he was really trying to get himself involved right. in all of this stuff, and but but this is where things for me got weird. So by so he starts in April as the senior producer of creative and talent. By August, he's now the president of TNA Wrestling, right? Um, Which means <laughs> he put more money into the whole thing, Phil. Right. You now, know? 
I remember I remember watching. Um, I was like, I want to watch and just see how things are looking. And it's the introduction of I'm going to mess up the belt. It's like the le- the Legends belt I think they had for a minute. Oh, there. yeah. I just watched this whole thing about this. So it went and, from the Legends Championship yeah. to – but it was – the Legends Championship was, was right around – I want to say more at the beginning of him of him being there. He turned it into the Grand Championship, yes, is what yes. he had turned that, that into, though. And so then maybe that was what I had watched because, again, I'm expecting Billy Corgan, rock star, smashing pumpkins. Right. Yeah. Let's see what happens. And he comes out there in glasses and a tweed jacket with patches <laughs> on his elbows. Okay. And I was like, and I remember literally saying. What 1970s wrestling am I watching? Right. There's also something that I did want to point out too, and I I wrote it down on here, um, um, and I entitled this talking, and I was going to bring it up a little bit later, but um, um, Billy Corgan himself, though, okay, mm-hmm. he's everyone knows him as as you know the leader of Smashing Pumpkins, but what? I don't think that people really know unless you do either research or you listen to the Howard Stern show. Because when he was on the Howard Stern show, um, when he was on the Howard Stern show recently, within the past year, he gave this whole interview and he started talking about how with the Smashing Pumpkins early on, he wishes that he had more guidance from uh, from other rock stars that have been in his situation. As the, as the band's exploding, 1979, Tonight Tonight, everything like that, one of the things that Billy Corgan didn't wasn't too privy on was having the actual rights to the to the to the songs. Now all the all the good bands that stick together and everything like that, they all say that the whole band wrote the entire song. Billy, he he didn't know any better, and he was kind of like "fuck you" to to his manager when his manager was trying to explain this to them. Um, and Billy was like, "No, they're my fucking songs." Because when you write the actual songs, you make a lot more money than you yeah. do just being the person that performs it. So. We're not talking just regular, oh, number one smash hit uh, in 1999, fucking Billy Corgan and the Smashing Pumpkins. We're talking about fucking Billy Corgan money here. <laughs> like, like, right. like huge millionaire, like has fucking so much play money, especially at this point, especially with like Spotify and things like that. So that's, so this is what we're talking about here. Um, and the fact that he dresses however he dresses and Phil, you may not like it and things like that. The the point is, is that he's rich enough that he can dress however the fuck he wants. Oh no, well, it, my thing was if your persona, because it wasn't like they were trying to say, um, look at the historic legacy of TNA wrestling. Right. Look at the this man who has twenty years of experience inside the world of professional wrestling, Billy Corgan, ladies and gentlemen. It was Smashing Pumpkins frontband Billy Corgan, and now TNA president, the new alternative in professional wrestling. But they were never uh, like huge rockers. Like they never heard these. Like no, that's not what I meant. They never portrayed the image uh, that you would think of when. Because when I think of like huge fucking rockers, I think of like Motley Crue. It's the first person that comes to my head. Metallica. But the Smashing Pumpkins were never like that. So, but they're so fucking rich that they can be whatever they want to fucking be. <laughs> but you know what, I mean? the, what is almost shocking in a, in a certain way is how fast at this point things start to develop. So he's hired in April. He's president in August. In October, Corgan sues TNA for unpaid debt that TNA defaulted on with him. And Tennessee um, puts a lien on TNA for unpaid taxes. Anthem, which at this point is not an owner at all with Impact Wrestling, they have an interest because they own the Fight Network, which Impact Wrestling in Canada is broadcasting on. And they offer to help repay both TNA and Corgan. Right. So I want you to to read this one here, Phil, because this is where we're heading to, right? Okay, yes. According to a report on August 7th, 2015, TNA filed a new business name of Impact Ventures, LLC. 
It was reported near the beginning of 2016 that Aralox Marketing, a Brentwood, Tennessee-based marketing agency, had taken a stake in TNA at the start of 2016 in return for providing partial funding, as well as taking over TNA's production operations. It was reported in June 2016 that Smashing Pumpkins frontman Billy Corgan acquired a minority stake in TNA from Dixie Carter, but he had instead provided a loan to Carter. Then on August 12th, TNA appointed Corgan as the company's new president, and the transition of Carter from president to the company's new chairman and chief strategy officer. It was reported on September 16th by the New York Post that Canada's Fight Network, through its parent company Anthem Sports and Entertainment Corporation, had also taken a state in TNA. On November 4th, Corgan was removed as president. Removed, Phil! Removed. <laughs> then on November 30th, it was also reported that Corgan had settled his lawsuit against TNA with Anthem Sport and Entertainment Corporation acquiring the comp- the loans Corgan made to Dixie in the process. So he made makes his money back after bailing them, seemingly bailing them out. Exactly. And all this guy wanted to do was be in the professional wrestling industry. So... So, and what do you do to, uh, to your employee, Phil? You know what I mean? That's just trying to help you out and, and backs right. you up. You fuck them right in the ass, Phil. That's, that's exactly what you do. So, basically, the, some additional legalese that I'm reading about now is that for them to pay Corgan back, well, they weren't just paying him back to be like, oh, look at us. We're nice people. We're paying you in turn for your stake in impact wrestling yeah they bought him out phil they bought him out so they then become the majority owner exactly and this is and this is where the all right no continue go ahead go ahead i was gonna say at at this point it uh, he is still saying at this is uh november 3rd 2016 that uh he had not been paid the debt that was owed to him (laughs) of um, course not and that he was uh and as such, he was considering suing as well as converting the debt into a 36% stake as a result of the settlement <coughs> um, between Corgan and TNA. Anthem Sports Entertainment acquired the loans Corgan made to Dixie. So they paid him out. Anthem now is responsible for those loans that Dixie is now I supposed know. to pay back. I know. That's what the best part is. It's like Anthem wanted him gone so bad that they're covering the cost that Dixie should have covered. Right. You know what I mean? But then again... It's Billy Corgan. So he's got that Billy Corgan fucking money. Right. But now at this point, Corgan's gone. So do we, do we, I, do you see anywhere, if there's a dollar figure anywhere? Does it say a specific figure or anything? It, it does say, I mean, in the. Because I feel like we're still talking millions and millions of dollars. In the, I mean, in the lawsuit, he's saying that he uh, had yet been repaid the $2.7 million. Yeah. That's a that lot was, of fucking money. All right. Um, what I, I'm going to see is if I can find You can have all the Billy Corgan money. That's still a lot of fucking money. Right. What he, I'm trying to see what he settled for. Um, terms weren't dis- – this is according to the New York Post. Um, terms weren't disclosed, but central to any agreement were Corgan's $1.8 million in last-minute loans to TNA to cover production costs. Um, he was chafing for more control. This is, again, their wording. Uh, he was chafing for more control and was afraid the embattled company might be sold from under him, uh, which, you know, in effect. It, it happened. It had been. <laughs> it definitely up. happened. Yeah. Right. So, and, I, you know, I'm trying, and I remember some of the, the, that time of people going, okay, this is it. They're going to close. It, now it's time they're going to close. Yeah. Yeah. But this is where that story ends, Phil. Because on May 1st, 2017, Billy Corgan purchases out of nowhere and this was a shocker to everybody this was a shocker to you phil it had to have been because it was a complete shocker to me he purchases the nwa phil like it it just didn't make sense to me because i know that i didn't want to talk about the past more than the 2002 that we just did but i thought the nwa was really dead and I didn't think of anything (laughs) of it with all of these territories saying oh we're the nwa we're the nwa because I'm pretty certain that they were bought by the WWE. And, and, and Jim Cornette, when this announcement came out, Jim Cornette said on his podcast, he had somebody on from that had the original contract from the NWA. Because back in 1997, Phil, 
Um, mm-hmm. Do you remember when WWF was kind of cross-promoting like with NWA belts, like uh, the Rock oh, and Roll Express came on right. and things like that? I was going to say more of the Rock and Roll Express, but yeah. But Jim Cornette was representing them. They had the new Midnight Rockers, too, and everything. But in that agreement, it basically there's a clause in there that said that forever. And when I'm saying forever, I mean forever. Little Sandlot for you. Um, that that no, the WWE can forever use the term NWA because I like because there's no real NWA anymore. Because after all these years, they they went away, and right. and um, it just didn't make. In- any sense Actually, I, to so what it was the question was that Jim Cornette asked was what the fuck did did Billy Corgan buy? All right, so um again this is coming from Wikipedia and I'm trying to find all the all the edits to it. So in ninety eight, yes, um the at the time the World Wrestling Federation reached an agreement to use the likeness of the NWA world title and other titles, the NWA branding and its history, initially to create what was known as the NWA Invasion storyline. Right. Um, it was later claimed that the WWE still owned the rights, but the sale of the NWA to Billy Corgan in 2017 was competed without any claims made by WWE. So that means that he owns it lock, stock, and barrel. They never filed anything that said, oh, wait a minute. So to put it comparatively on the flip side of that, when uh, when uh, ECW was sold by Paul Heyman to the WWE, mm-hmm. um, after th- or as the sale went in at the very end, Todd Gordon, who had started Eastern Championship Wrestling, or was one of the people who just started Eastern Championship Wrestling, kind of raised his hand and went, wait a minute, I thought you were just selling extreme championship wrestling not everything that went back to eastern because that's mine i had a financial stake in that and an early ec uh, extreme hey wait a minute what about me but did he and get bought out by paul i don't no, remember any of this and i don't remember i and that's a whole other history and yeah that's another that. episode that's but, another bonus right, episode that's, that's another thing. make sure you like um, subscribe and share right phil <laughs> right exactly thank you uh and listen wow. to whatever fine podcast listen to yeah and uh but yeah, so you know that got thrown out of court basically by saying, well, you didn't apply for an injunction in time. But so it, with this, I mean, the name brand of Billy yeah, Corgan. Snoozy Lewis is what the answer to that is. Right, basically, yes. And so the WWE hasn't, did not compete with the claim in 2017 that now Billy Corgan is the sole owner. But what happened to lead into that? We mentioned a little bit before about you know the structure of the NWA, the territories, the, these 5,000 million promotions all saying they were NWAs. Yes. And, and in, there was this feeling um, by the NWA board of directors that they had watered down their own product. Too many people were using the NWA name, um, though they had a lot of rules and there was money being that had already been paid. Um, basically, they used a, the minimum quorum needed for a board meeting, literally assigning new board of directors at that meeting so that therefore they had new full board members. And then made a lot of different decisions regarding who was their president, who was the executive director. Um, so, for example, there was, and basically this was under the guidance of the lawyer who became the president, or excuse me, the executive director of the NWA, uh, uh, is it Robert Trobich, I think, Bob Trobich. Um, and that happened at first, that happened in 2005, where he becomes the president. Then he retires. Um, another businessman uh, took over that role. Um, one of the affiliates then sues the NWA because they're like, well, wait a minute. Um, you know, your parent company, the Trobich pro wrestling organization claiming insurance fraud against the NWA's liability insurance. They settled. Um, and then they moved from membership model to a licensing model, which caused many uh, promotions to immediately cut ties and other way around because of a different financial model that meant those promotions could no longer stay affiliated. Right. And so there was a lot of... So that's what it really came down to, was them right. doing it's always, that. It, it's always the money. Dude. Yeah, yeah. Follow the that money. That fucking hashtag Billy Corgan money. Right. <sighs> I was trying to come up with hashtags for this, and that should have been it. Hashtag Billy Corgan money. Right. <laughs> so... I'll fix it later. <laughs> well, let's go with it. it. So when Billy Corgan takes over... The, the NWA board had already done a lot of the work. They had already cleaned out the chaff. They had already um, 
put themselves in a place where they thought they were going to be a little I know. more structured. Phil, remember when we first started out eight years ago and we were the NWA Tim Zabriskie show and now we can't <laughs> and then they, they fucking changed the whole business wow. model and really fucked us now over. We're, now we're the Tim Zabriskie show. Right, Much better. Right. We used to be AWA Tim Zabriskie show, but that really wasn't selling to the kids at all. So. Woo! <laughs> um, but when he bought the company, it included the names, the rights, the trademarks, and the championship belt. Yeah. Um, over the following weeks, NWA trademarks were removed from Tharps International Wrestling Corporation over to Corgan's Lightning One Incorporated Production Company. Um, he also produced or also purchased Tharps stake in NWA on demand uh, video on demand service and licensed the Paul Bosch Wrestling Library. Um, he took over ownership of the NWA effective October 1st, 2017. Yeah, um, Phil, I wrote down a joke the other day, too, on my notes. Do you want to hear what I wrote? Go for it. Go for it. <laughs> I wrote, and as CM Punk's sister Charlene thought, I thought they were dead. <laughs> if, I had de- if I had delivered it <laughs> when I was supposed to and not went back and saw that... I had written that right after Billy Corgan money. I would have, I probably would have gotten the better reaction, but. Right. <laughs> and, and I'm trying to remember. I'm sorry. No, you're fine. So I'm, I'm trying to look up a little bit of a history thing because yeah. you're going to find a really weird connection in just a second to uh, another name from my past that you don't like. Um, one, Mr. DJ Hyde. Why do you always have to? I think you love this man. This is what this really comes down to. Because every time, every time you find an opportunity to bring up CZW's <laughs> DJ Hyde, you fucking grab at it like like a mother's tit. Well, because he provided. So, it's not that I have any admiration for him. But it's more because of the stories that came out of his mouth. Oh, and, and, okay. and it's more like so. When I say some of this, like I don't know how much is true. So. Uh, Corgan buys NWA. Um, yeah. And and this is where some just odd things were happening because Championship Wrestling from Hollywood was like, we're the flagship show. No, we're yeah. not. Yes, we are. Um, there was another wrestling network coming around um, called, uh, was it Ultimate Wrestling? I, I'm going to mess, mess, mess At a Buffalo? That. No. Uh, uh, actually, maybe it might have. It might have been one of the affiliates. I can't remember. <laughs> that they were also trying to do this multi promotional thing and how do we share? And. Because at this point, uh, Championship Wrestling from Hollywood, um, uh, I'm saying the wrong name, um, um, the producer for that, who has now gone on to help with NWA Power, um, him and his business partner have a, now a financial stake inside of CZW. Well, they're hmm. also now associated with the NWA, with Billy Corgan, and this whole new United Wrestling Network. Um and it's like, well, wait a minute. How, what? What? How is this all happening? What's going on? To the point that in 2017, in that December at Cage of Death, here comes uh, Tim Storm, NWA World Worlds. It is pluralized. NWA Worlds Heavyweight Champion Tim Storm, who ends up defending that, or well, trying to defend that championship against Nick Aldis. Nick Aldis then who? championship well who nick all this this is kind of where i was going too phil i actually wrote this down here too i wrote down brutus magnus that we mentioned before from tna phil mm-hmm. also known as nick all shows up at championship wrestling from hollywood yes and goes up against tim storm right yes because at this time when corgan takes over to help give themselves some identity he establishes a youtube show called 10 pounds of gold 10 pounds of gold and it's this path of where the nwa world's heavyweight championship goes and tim cross is that guy and so he is being representative of the company and showcasing some of these matches and now here comes nick aldis and it goes on to a head at at cage of death which you know at the time, believed to be CCW was this big, large company. Um, <laughs> Until Billy Corgan went there and was like, "What? What's that smell?" Right. And and the, wow. I start using a lot of air quotes because these are things that DJ High told me. <laughs> right. And, right. And so as I say this, do do you see the grains of salt? 
coming <laughs> down yeah. from my fingertips. All okay. right, we got a question from the audience here. If Corgan owns the belts, how can WWE show the old pay-per-views with the NWA belt? Example, Starcade Flair versus Race in the 1980s. Because at that time, they probably had a licensing agreement to be able to use those images, those likenesses, the fact that they were on television at that time. This is just a recording of that. But and they but, own that they own those tape libraries. That has nothing to do with the tape library that was sold to Billy Corgan. Right. So the whatever WWE has that they filmed or that they had right they had that gotten they had that they had gotten from the WCW tape library. Right. Or that they got from WCW because there were times in the way distant past where WWE and and, and NWA talents had crossed over. Um, so way back in the day, yeah, they could now have access to the WCW stuff. And I know some people are like, well, wait a minute. When I watch old WWF stuff that they have to scrub out the, the F in the logo, that was because they were in, a, a, in violation of their international copyright agreement with the World Wildlife Fund. And as a result of losing that case, because they had to then retroactively remove that logo. So there is some cases where like, no, you don't have to. In some cases where you do. Um Right. So, uh, and also there was there. There's something interesting too from the those NWA days too, where um, when you would become the champion, you would also put down a deposit on those belts, and um, yes, and that was the big thing back in 1992 with Ric Flair, where he had the the big gold belt that that everyone knows and is synonymous with, but um, um. When he came to the WWF, he brought that belt with him because he was never paid back the deposit that he put in. So he said, "Well, it's fucking my belt then." And then, and then when he came back from there, he, um, you know, during his time, then they, then they, they kind of worked the whole deal out and stuff like that. So, um, um, but yeah, I mean, to go back to your question, yeah, it really has to do with who owned that tape library. WCW was. At, and that's what that's where it gets confusing too, because WCW was from the NWA and everything like that. So, right. um, but that's not what we're talking about here. Now, Phil, so, let's let's talk about the modern day NWA and the product and everything sure. like that as well. Well, well, that was kind of what I was going to get to. So, when we mentioned this championship wrestling from Hollywood, one of the people involved, the the promotion president, is Dave Marquez, and he has a financial backer to him. Dave Marquez goes on and is now assisting with some of the production, and you see him at NWA Power when they were all at they, and they were all uh, affiliated and bringing everybody to Cage of Death. They all coordinated elements of of what was shot and what was filmed. Corgan was there with with Tim Storm and Nick Aldis and and made sure it was filmed for their live on YouTube um, for the NWA and for Ten Pounds of Gold. So right. They, you know, at that time, it was already being discussed, like, what is that thing that they are doing? And they had to start they had started to establish a foothold in the YouTube space in the world of wrestling. And exactly. at this time, you know, independent companies like Beyond had done really well with doing that. CZW was doing well with that. And now NWA had come through and was really branding themselves as, hey, you want to watch our stuff? You can go to YouTube. Yeah. And so even in 2017, they were establishing that that, hey, you have a way to follow us exactly which is very radical sort of marketing schemes and things like that especially when you think of going back to nwa tna at the very beginning of uh, of time where you know as we talked about the weekly uh pay-per-views that were cheap and and being a little bit edgier youtube it gives them a platform to be a little bit edgier even though they're not they're keeping it very old school hitting that that home sort of fresh market using youtube as a, as a platform that everyone can get to today in order to sell their pay-per-views later their internet pay-per-views right um and so it's pretty radical marketing and and things like that they're really putting themselves out there in a way so to the question that we have titled this with this with phil is nwa the future (laughs) here's where it, it gets funny um because it, when you look at them visually, they are trying to bring back a style of wrestling, a format that you saw in really in the 70s and 80s. The, the childhood product that that um, Billy Corgan would have seen as a child. That he grew up with. Right. Exactly. And, and there is a huge thing to be said for the nostalgia pop, right? Right. And, and 
what's interesting is he isn't relying though solely on the folks from that era to bring back that nostalgia pop that he's giving that style that that stylistic impression but using current stars with a blend of some newer new or uh, some folks that we've seen on other platforms WWE right. and Molina and right. Scott Steiner um right. to bring with- back a little bit of like oh this is interesting yeah but at the same time too the other thing that i really like is when we take a look at, at Brutus Aldis, right? <laughs> and and we take a look at um um uh what's his face? The guy that uh that was the Mrs. Lackey and and Stu Bennett is on there too. Um all these guys that were completely misused and Colt and things like that. And they're giving them they're finally giving them a platform. It's really becoming a third brand with all these guys that everybody was like, Oh man, like I really, I really want can be behind this guy. Mm-hmm. And, and they're finally giving it to him. You know what I mean? And like to that, that's amazing. That's awesome. You know what and I mean? And they're doing it on YouTube where they had established that presence. Exactly. Exactly. It's very, it's very radical. It's very hip. It's very cool. The style is fantastic. It's a throwback, but it's still, it's still new. It's letting people have their own, their own, um, their own shtick and everything like that. Mm-hmm. I think it's a great show. It's exciting. There's storytelling. There's character development. It's a, it's, it, it and it's good. And they're, and I just, I'm a big, I pop hard, so hard for the marketing of it to where, you know, where, where it's a free show that everyone can get to, to sell a pay-per-view later. Yeah. That's it. It's simple. It's very simple. I, I'm a fan. Good, Tim. You should be. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so it, it is, I, I, I like the availability of it you know you don't have to subscribe to another streaming service to be able to watch it um that it's that it's right there and and that it is accessible i i do like that does it have the ability in itself to perpetuate its own funding that's the question you know you can say something about well you know they have a studio style that's locked in so their venue cost is minimized but they have a locked in number of audience members that they can bring in okay what are the sponsorships um, and how are they then displaying them to get a financial pay there? Yes, on YouTube, I'm sure that they have the monetary um, – what's the right term? The, not affiliate ship. Whatever the right term is uh, that I'm forgetting about on YouTube where you can gain money by having so many subscribers and so many likes and so many views um, that you get money off of that. So I know they're getting Monetization? some Monetization? Is that what you're talking about? Monetization. <laughs> but I you. think that the other part too is that because of the company and, and – the Billy Corgan name recognition because wrestling, because of the way that YouTube has changed everything, their whole, their whole YouTube platform, as far as monetization and also, um, children and everything like that. Um, I'm pretty, I'm, I don't know if this is confirmed, but there's, they have to be a partner. They have to be a partner with YouTube in order to be able to be on there like this. And that, cause there was a while, Phil. I don't know if you remember. They banned yeah. professional wrestling completely from YouTube. Well, from the, at least the monetization stream. Exactly. And then they started to heavily target violent stuff. And so basically, so eventually they rolled back on some of those rules. Um, right. Because all that happened during during my time with with that other place. Um, <laughs> that place that where, you that shall not be named, Phil. That I've already talked about. Um, <laughs> you can't and, help it. You can't help right. it. CZW, CZW. There you go. It went away and then it came back, and, right. but it came back at a at a very different rate. They flagged more things for violence, not to take them off or permanently ban them now, but just saying, you know, hey, you're not going to get monetization off of this because we don't want this for a, a child to come across this, and the advertisers not wanting to be associated with violent content. Um, and so, you know, the way this is being presented, a family friendly style of professional wrestling, um, okay. You're going to appeal to more uh, advertisers who are not going to be offended to be on that kind of a product. Mm-hmm. That you're going to hit that more mainstream style of audience and an audience that might be interested and enticed by some of that wrestling history, right. that little bit of the nostalgic kick. But looking back and saying, though it looks a little older, it feels different. Mm-hmm. Um, and different works in the world of professional wrestling. I mean, right. hey, James Ellsworth had a job. Exactly. Um, and maybe, maybe. It's the way to go because if you buy the pay-per-view, then you get 
um, the bigger blow offs because in the world of YouTube with children and, and everything that we're talking about with the advertisers and, and things like that, if we can't do blood on, on this YouTube as part of the partnership, right? Right. Maybe we can do it on the internet pay-per-views for the big blow off shows and everything like that. Um, and the next pay-per-view for them is going to be Crockett cup 2020 in April. And so, you know, now power is building for the next, two months into what is going to be seen next as their big, big event. Hmm. It's yeah, exactly. It's fucking fantastic. Phil, I just Damn. looked at the schedule and it seems that we have a, we have a pretty busy week coming up the third or the last week of this month. Did you know this, Phil? I did, Tim. It's, it's, it's looking like we have AEW and we have super showdown two days apart from each other. Did you know this? I actually kind of forgot yeah. about AEW's pay-per-view. Yeah, AEW having another pay-per-view. But, Phil, this was the retrospect and the future of the NWA. I think that everybody should try to check it out if they have the chance. It's available on YouTube. If you're watching this right now, TimmyZ.com slash YouTube. Uh, uh, I said that backwards. I, I Why do I have a website, Phil? <laughs> do you have a website? I don't have a fucking website. Phil, should I get TimmyZ.com? Should that be... Uh, should that yes. Be, uh, and change your name to that on YouTube too. Uh, Tim. Timmy's Timmy Z. Timmy Z. Timmy Z. All Man, right. We can do Timmy I. <laughs> Make sure you like, subscribe, and share. Thank you for joining us here. If you were able to catch a couple seconds of us talking about the NWA, we will be back in a couple weeks talking about not one, but two pay per views with AEW, um, AEW Super Sundays Showdown and. Uh, Spectacular. <laughs> Now, AEW Revolution, the women's revolution there. And nope, just kidding, Phil. Just AEW Revolution, as well as uh, WWE Super Showdown live from Saudi Arabia. And uh, if, if we don't see you, catch us outside. All right, Phil. How about Bye. that? I like that team. <laughs>